Welcome to the Cannabis Enlightened Podcast with Dr. Leroy, brought to you by March and Ash at marchandash.com. I'm Chris Cantori, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to your host, Dr. Leroy. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Cannabis Enlightened. Cannabis Enlightened, where knowledge is power. I am extremely happy to have um, our guest that we that that we're able to listen to today because he is um, a, a very knowledgeable young man in the area of cannabis by way of education. And I, I want to mention the fact that he's an African American, and um, he didn't just wake up in the morning and say, you know, I think I want to be in cannabis. He actually, you know, went to college and studied from a biological standpoint what is going on in the, the those kind of plants, these kind of plants, so that he brings a different perspective to um, the knowledge that I'm trying to provide the listeners. Uh, so without any further ado, I'm going to bring on Jeremy to introduce himself to all of you and to, to let you know what he does with the company that he's with. Jeremy? Hello, Dr. Leroy. Thank you. So hello, my name is Jeremy Hicklin. I have managed and worked in the cannabis industry for over eight years. I have established quality assurance programs for federally regulated laboratories, as well as laboratories in the cannabis space. I also have extensive experience in opening major uh, retail locations for major brands uh, like MedMen. Um, I'm passionate about the therapeutic and medicinal benefits that cannabis has to offer, as well as being an advocate for cannabis use to combat against the current opioid crisis that we're facing. Uh, I have firsthand experience with the war on drugs, specifically cannabis prohibitions effects on lower socioeconomic communities. Um, my goal is to educate the public on those therapeutic and medicinal benefits of cannabis as well as to promote the access to safe cannabis products. Fantastic, Jeremy. I, you know, there are some things that you said that um, I, I either didn't know or didn't remember from the first time that we met. Um, I, I am impressed, uh, as I'm sure that the listening audience is too. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do now um, and the, the, la the lab that you're working in? So currently I'm the laboratory director uh, for a testing facility located in Long Beach. Uh, we test cannabis products uh, for compliance and for uh, quality assurance. Uh, and we do, we're involved in uh, research, partnering with different labs and different organizations in the cannabis space as well. So, so you're testing, you test the cannabis as it comes into your your laboratory. Correct. So we're testing, you know, flowers, um, edibles, topical products like lotions and balms, um, anything you could think of. All right. Do, do you test because this is interesting now? Do you test the 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 cannabis flower itself, or you're testing the actual products? We test both the both the flower and the product. Okay, so when you test, now when you test the, the flower, you're testing for 
pesticides and contaminants, that kind of thing? Correct. So if it, for uh, compliance testing, we have purity tests and then we have safety tests. So the safety tests are heavy metals, uh, pesticides, uh, residual solvents. Those are more like concentrated products, manufactured products. Um, we also test for uh, microbial impurities such as uh, salmonella or E. coli. Okay. And just to make sure everybody understands, you don't want those things in your body. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say not at, not at high levels. <laughs> so without that testing, I mean, even if there weren't the, 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 the regulations, um, you wouldn't, you would, you'd be testing to make sure that nothing, no foreign agent, nothing poisonous can get into an individual or is put on an individual. Right. Yeah, correct. For, for example, with our uh, heavy metals testing, uh, which we're testing for arsenic, uh, cadmium, lead, which we all know is not good for us, and mercury, which we know is not good for our bodies. And so the uh, thing about the cannabis plant is very good at absorbing those metals out of the soil because they naturally exist in, in soil. And so the cannabis plant is going to absorb all of those metals and doing our testing, we just want to make sure that it's not at a level that's deemed harmful for consumption, right. whether that's inhalation or applied topic. Right, right. Now, is it safe for me to say that without the testing that labs like you do, and specifically your lab, um, people are liable to get a hold of the product and it's going to be extremely harmful to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's very likely. Uh, I'm always, you know, like I said, I'm, a, uh, I'm here to promote access to safe products. And the only way you're going to do that is by going to a, dis a legal dispensary right. and that they're getting their products tested by a trusted, a trusted laboratory. I've, I've definitely gone to... Uh, you know, these trap shops, as they refer to them, or uh, secret sessions, these have become popular over the last few years where you can just go to a warehouse or something and just, you know, it's a kind of farmer's market type style uh, where you can purchase your cannabis. Now, I've, I've picked up some samples from, from those these types of places and have brought them to the lab and tested them. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I've, I've seen failures for pesticides, heavy metals, up to five times over the uh, limit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so oh it's, gosh. Uh, it's, it's definitely a problem. So because a person is gonna say, well, you know, I didn't have much money, uh, so I bought some uh, illegal cannabis and th that's good enough for me. That That's not necessarily a good decision. Uh, no, I mean, and myself, I'm someone that, uh, you know, I, I value my health, you know, above, above all. So, um, and I, under, I understand the predicament because this whole, this whole issue of THC elevation and make the consumers are being kind of misinformed. So that's a whole nother topic. The, the consumers are led to believe in sold products, uh, 
stating that the THC level is the end-all, be-all in determining the quality of, of, of the cannabis flower. Well, there's much more aspects to look at that uh, in deciding which flower you're going to choose. Now, specifically with the consumer not being able to afford to go to dispensary, that's the main complaint I hear. Yeah. Based on those higher THC tiers, it's, it's, it's a higher price point. So necessarily that higher THC doesn't equate to a higher price point. And that's the market that we're in now. And so the consumers are ultimately being cheated out by these laboratories that are elevating THCs and, you know, the whole type of pay, pay for play type system. So my, my lab, we're, we're looking to uh, kind of disrupt this THC cheating, cheating market. Uh, we pride ourselves on integrity and, and quality service. And we want to yeah. give the consumer, you know, the, the accurate, the accurate results of what they're, what they're actually consuming. Absolutely. I noticed um, I <clears throat> went on your website uh, yesterday or last night, I think it was, and um, I saw a huge list, a long list of different um, um, contaminants that you test for. And my right. gosh, it, it almost went to the next uh, page. Uh, there's just a lot that goes into your work. And it, it really, it was impressive to me. But I really got, I got scared too, because I'm thinking, gee, people that uh, would buy some cannabis from one of the shops you're talking about, they're really playing maybe some Russian roulette or, you know, taking their, their life into their hands. Just, I mean, because they can get it for maybe five, 10, $15 cheaper, um, this actually could harm them tremendously. Right. Yeah, that's correct. And, uh, it's really, it's really an unfortunate, uh, you know, situation uh, for the consumer uh, currently. But that's that's why we're looking to get this information out and uh, kind of change change the way that cannabis is being classified. I mean, recently they had a uh, it was in the L.A. Times about uh, like an affair where you know where they judge wine. Uh, mm. Yes, they're having wine contest judging wine. Right. Right. And the issue is, you know, cannabis, take away the therapeutic and medicinal benefits, put that to the side for a minute. Just looking at the quality, it, it, it shouldn't be determined just on the THC, on the THC level. It's like we're not, mm -hmm. the wine isn't chose, isn't deemed, uh, you know, a great wine because it has the most, you know, the most alcohol content. Right. So, there, are yeah. there, there are many other factors you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. note the aroma, the texture, all of those things. And, you know, cannabis, there's things that go into the quality of can cannabis flowers as well that needs to be promoted. Yeah, yeah, I can see where this is. Uh, it, I mean, it's a very important job, and it, it must take a lot of testing to be able to deem a plant or um, a lot of plant. I mean, I, I don't know how you, how, how would you, when you uh, test them, you don't test all, the, do you test all the plants that are brought to you that um, a manufacturer is going to use? So how that will work, uh, what I'm describing is uh, compliance testing. So 
at a manufacturer, say if they have a uh, 1,000 prepackaged eighth units that they're okay. looking to sell, we will send our field technician to go out to that location and he's going to collect random, he's going to collect a, a small percentage of that 1,000. And so it's defined in the regulations, that percentage and how the sampling is done. So we would take, say about, this is a guess, but say about eight, eight of those eights out of the 1,000, we would take back to our facility, combine those, and then we'll perform our testing that way. Now, is this something that is done on a regular basis where you send people out or? Um... Yes, for the, okay. for the compliance testing is required okay. that we perform the actual sampling of the product. So, so we're actually getting a true representation of the batch because if it's the manufacturer distributor, you know, they can pick out which are the more potent uh, buds right. or, you know, give us this product, which is not really representative, you know, cher cherry picking essentially mm -hmm. what they would want tested. Sure, sure. So you also mentioned a few minutes ago that um, the, the THC, many people, and I try to educate folks all the time that uh, cannabis is a lot more than THC, but it seems like people are always still looking for, you know, the highest level of THC they can get because they feel like that will give them that high that they're looking for. But it, it really depends upon um, how they're feeling in, in terms of, of how the THC will affect their bodies. Is that correct? Right. Um, but mainly it, it comes down, if I, were, if I were to sell you a product, I would ask, Dr. Leroy, what, you know, what, what type of feeling are you looking uh, of getting? Are you looking for something to have you a bit more livelier, energetic, social? Or are you looking for something for more pain management or to help you sleep better? And I, I think those are some of the questions that mm -hmm. needed to be started with. And, um, you know, with these butt senders and helping the customers decide on, on, on the right product for them. I mean, the, the, you know, at this point, a lot of the education is in the butt tenders' right. hands because these people going into the dispensaries, they're looking at the butt tender as the, as the expert there. And so when they say, hey, I want the best flower, and then the butt tender, you know, doesn't go through those series of questions, they just point to what they like personally or whatever has the highest THC or whatever is the most popular strain at the time. Um, that may not always, you know, be exactly what that what that consumer is looking for. Sure, because, you but, know, the terpene profile that's that that's definitely a big part of uh, determining the effects. Now, now, how did the terpenes? I'm glad you mentioned that. How did the terpenes um, mix into um, how potent um, a uh, a particular product is, a cannabis product is? Right. So. You are, so terpenes exist in fruits, vegetables, uh, they're in everything from household cleansers, different things like that. So the example I like to give is, uh, you're familiar with uh, like potpourri? Sure. Mm -hmm. Often they have uh, right. like lavender scented right. potpourri. 
Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, when you when you think of that smell of lavender, you know what what feelings do you associate with that? Uh, kind of calmness, you know, okay. uh, peaceful. Yeah. Right. So it's real. Yeah, it's a real calming, real soothing type of. You know, that's that's what the aroma of that lavender. You know, that's the effects it gives you. Okay. And now. The common terpene that's found in lavender is called linalol. And linalol is also the major terpene that's found in a strain called Granddaddy Purple. And so, you know, that that smell that you associate with the lavender, if you're somebody that enjoys that, you could best believe that this Granddaddy Purple or some other strains that contain, you know, a dominant linalol profile would have those similar effects. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And I, I you know, what we're doing w- with this episode is we are, in fact, educating people so that maybe they not necessarily know as much as the bud tenders, but when they walk in a kind of a store, they they know uh, they can tell what's real and what's not real. You know, and they know what questions to ask. Yes, exactly, exactly. So now let's talk a little bit about the products that are brought in, uh, which is, this is news to me. I, I was under the impression that uh, you just tested the flower, but you test the edibles and do you test the, the drinks that, that uh, are produced too? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, wow. yeah, tinctures, uh, beverages, we, do, we, we deal with a lot of beverages as well. Um, I know currently, uh, like microdosing is, is is a huge kind of a huge thing with the CBD and the CAC market. So we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, beverages with smaller dosage. Yeah, edibles, top bath salts, uh, bath bombs, body mm. scrubs, everything, and and not only just uh, not not only just the products itself, but uh, if you've seen. Uh, people roll joints with like rose petals and uh, people may use like, you know, hemp wraps and different right. things. But we also test those products as well in order to determine the cause of contamination. So you test the paper too? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, with, with uh, free roll products, uh, we're required to test, analyze the sample with the paper as well because that's where the contamination uh, for heavy metals, typically will come from the paper more so than natural fiber. Oh man! That, now, when you test the products that are brought in, mm-hmm. do you test them to make sure that they have the amount of uh, CBD or THC that uh, they're going to put on the the package, or do you test it for its purity? So or we're testing basically for both. So okay. there's two ways that work. So if a if a company is doing getting R and D testing done on their product, meaning that they're getting their formulations right, and this is something that we don't send the results to the state, it's not a uh, official certificate of anal- analysis. Um, they can label their product before or after we perform the compliance testing. Now. Mm. If they label their product before we test it, it has to fall within a certain percentage, uh, which is 12% uh, label claims. 
And so it has to fall within 12% of what's labeled on the product in order for it to be deemed a, uh, a pass. Or if, we, if we're testing, if nothing's labeled, we test the product, we get the numbers of the concentration of cannabinoids, that is presented on a, a certificate of analysis and then they label their product based on that. So I'm, I'm assuming that if uh, a product comes in your lab and it's already labeled, that they already say it has this much THC and this much CBD, they must have some type of laboratory at, at the manufacturing? They, uh, some of them do. Some of them may have an HPLC is what we use to run cannabinoids. So uh, it's, it's, it's somewhat common for some of these manufacturers to invest in that instrument on their own to see, but they have to go to an outside source in order for the testing because we perform validations and uh, different uh, certifications and accreditations that we have, have to have in running these tests that they're not responsible for. So the quality controls and things like that, their, re their results there are going to differ, you know, to an extreme based on the experience right. who's operating that, that instrument. And you, you, you're certified, your laboratory is certified by the state of California. Correct. We, okay. uh, we're licensed uh, by the state of California and we're also ISO accredited as well. So that's, a, that's an additional... Uh, source that all laboratories, manufacturing companies uh, have to go through. So now ISO, it sounds like that's a, it, is that an organization that uh, reviews labs or yes. scientists? Yes, exactly. Both, lab, lab, both on the testing side and on the manufacturing side. Uh, there's, there's different areas for ISO accreditations. Okay. Now, <laughs> Where do they come up with their, their numbers? I mean, I, I understand, I, I think we could all understand, you know, you don't want pesticides, you don't mm -hmm. want heavy metals, you know, you don't, you don't want contaminants on the, the flower. Uh, yeah. But where does the state come up with the amount? I mean, you know, the percentage, uh, I think you mentioned 12% uh, a few minutes ago. What, yeah. Where does that come from? So, uh... A lot of those variances, like the 12%, are based on procedures and percentages of errors expected during normal testing. And that's set by ISO. And then in terms of the actual like limits for say pesticides or residual solvents, um, what was done long ago in, uh, you know, say the uh, uh, like pharmacy industry, or the food and you know food and drug industry before the cannabis, they were performing clinical trials in order to see, you know, the effects of these pesticides and things that harm at, at certain levels. And so once they perform those clinical trials, then that's where they allow, that's where they set the regulations for, you know, these other industries. And then us being the cannabis industry, we're kind of, you know, picking and choosing mm. from these other industries to to build our regulations. So, Jeremy, what has been the growth? I mean, you, um, you mentioned earlier uh, how long you've been with um, a LabPlex. Yeah. So what has been the growth in terms of uh, testing from the time you started to right now? Uh, 
So for my time in testing, I would say there's a bit more cooperation or, or willing to cooperate in the space between laboratories. Jeremy, can I, can I stop you there? We had a little background noise there. Do you, is that something that you can control on your side? I don't think you could hear it. Um, it's like, like a fan or maybe like a machine cut to the air conditioning. Is that an air conditioning unit? That might be what it is. And there, it went away right then. So I don't know. Might just be your microphone, but I think we're good there. Um, Doc, if you want to start again, and if, if, if it's not anything you control, don't worry about it. I just didn't know if, if there was something that came on that you could control, but that, don't worry about it. Doc, if you'd ask that question again. Sure. So, uh, Jeremy, can you talk uh, a bit about the growth in uh, your, your lab, which I would imagine is also going to be the growth in the industry from, uh, let's just take the time you started to right now, present day. And so starting in the cannabis laboratory, uh, the main issue is the lack of standardization across okay. the field. So many uh, different laboratories are using different instruments, different, uh, you know, specifications, parameters in performing the test. Whereas in these other industries, everyone's doing the same thing. It, it, when I'm referring to like the pharmacy industries and food and drugs, all of those regulations and the standardization is there. It's not as much of a competitive environment as it is in Canada's. Um, okay. Excuse me for just No. Okay, so yeah, basically the, the standardization in the field is, is lacking. Now what I've seen is more labs are more open, opening to working together and uh, collaborating on research, doing inter-lab studies and making sure that we're all on the same page. So I've definitely seen that, that, that change. And is that from the state or, or the organization that... Um overseas labs, a private organization? No, I would, I would just say some of the leaders in the space, a lot of my colleagues, we're looking to make, just make some change. Mm -hmm. like, I, like I mentioned, disrupting the whole pay for play type system in the laboratory space, which, you know, inadvertently hurts the consumers. Uh, and so, just colleagues and different leaders, operators in the space who I've come across, we've shared similar sentiments on how we feel about the industry. And so we've kind of worked together in uh, just trying to show that there is room for uh, collaboration is beneficial. Now, the, the term that you use, I think this is the second time you used it, uh, the pay for play. Yes. What, what does, can you explain what that means? Uh, I mean, Firstly, I don't. I when, when I when I talk about my lab, uh, I like to talk about the quality procedures that we uh, put in place, and we're we're really big on integrity here. Um, mm -hmm. Have a lot of experience. Uh, people who have worked in different industries with much stricter regulations, and so we've kind of brought up our, our experience here. Now, uh, with the pay for play system, 
it's it's been said and discussed in the in 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 the industry in the sphere um, that uh, certain labs have certain connections with uh, you know owners of distros and manufacturers and whatever that relationship is is yielding higher elevated potency numbers. What are those real numbers? No. So these products oftentimes say there is a manufacturer. They're working with this laboratory. Uh, the owners know each other. They're buzz. They're golfing on the weekends, mm-hmm. um, hanging out. And, uh, you know, that manufacturer may tell them, hey, this product needs to be at 29%. And so mm-hmm. the laboratory may just give them the 29% or the 30% or whatever they're looking for. Um, it's not until... The, the issue comes when uh, it's a manufacturer. They're doing different formulations on their product to receive a certain percentage or, you know, the desired effects of what they're trying to get. Now, if this lab is giving them inaccurate results on that and they go to formulate, use that same formula to do other things and they're not getting the same results, then that's when they get skeptical and they're like, hey, let's... I'm going to give them three different samples of all the same thing, label them differently and give it to them. And then that's when they go to another lab. <laughs> and like, okay. Now the consumer doesn't know this. So as far as the consumer knows, um, okay, it has a higher level of THC. So they probably feel okay with paying a little bit more money. Right. But in, in reality, there's not that much. There's, there's not anywhere near that much THC in this product. So the public is being cheated. Correct. Okay. So now what does a what does the average, you know, consumer, what do they need to look for on a package? Is there is there some initial, is there an organization's um, you know, uh, name on a package that they can say, okay, this is legit? Or is it is it just the fact that they're going to a legal a cannabis store. That that's the thing. Um, okay. Going into these legal dispensaries, they the the information was labeled on these products should be indeed accurate. But because of that pay for play system, you know they they're they're unaware. So basically, yeah, they're just getting going in there, getting paid, getting a uh, charge exorbitant prices for these higher THC now. On the actual package, there's uh, metric batch numbers. Uh, there's often like a maybe a link to where you could view the COA, um, the certificate of analysis online. Um, so sometimes the, the companies do put that information. It'd be the up to the consumer to you know contact contact their company and kind of hold them to holding their lab accountable. Okay, and it, 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 it also appears to me that maybe even if you go to a legitimate uh, cannabis store, you could get some product that is not really labeled correctly. Yeah, I mean, there's a potential, potential in that happening. So it's just about getting with, like I said, it's, it's some of these uh, 
you know, the manufacturer distros, I mean, some of them are being cheated as well um, okay. in, in this system uh, that are not a part of, you know, this paper play. They're just being cheated based on these numbers as well. And so this is really, uh, I mean, overall it's pushing out a lot of these small boutique cultivars. Okay. Uh, right. And, you know, we're getting more into mass production of, of these flowers and yeah, so that, that, yeah. Do, do you think that's because the industry is not as regulated as other medicines are? Um, I just think that it was a large rush of people into the industry. Oh, okay. People with, you know, Made a made a lot of money elsewhere, maybe didn't have experience in cannabis, and then shift their whole business and put all their resources into cannabis. And uh, I think with that big rush, there were just a lot of uh, a, a lot of things were happening fast. Um, people that were inexperienced being put in positions that they, you know, couldn't fulfill. So it's a combination of those things. Yeah. Also, regulation. To, do play a small role in that. So I think the point we're making is that consumer really needs to be aware. I mean, you, you don't want to just go out there and say, oh, I'm going to buy some cannabis. So I'm going to buy some, I'm going to get some of that CBD or THC. You really need to know um, not only what you're buying, but how what you're buying is tested. What, what's making it um, the, 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 the strain that it is or the strength that it is. Uh, you really need to be aware of, of the product that you're buying. Right, right, correct. Um, it's just about, yeah, just looking to inform the public, educate them, and, and get them to really ask questions right. and, uh, you know, hold, the, hold these brands accountable and get them to hold, you know, these testing labs accountable because right. um, despite the issue of the potency, uh, my thing is, you know, once these safety tests are not being performed accurately and some, you know, some samples are being deemed as passed. I shouldn't fail. That's, that's where the situation cannot be ignored. Uh, right. We're dealing with the consumer health at this, at this point. So. Right. What's, what's new? Uh, I, I know we've, we met at a conference. So I'm thinking that you, you went to that conference to find out if there's anything anything new in the industry, something that you don't know about, uh, but from from where you sit as as the laboratory director, what's new in in cannabis testing? Um, what's new is the shift from. Uh, so first, we were learning about CBD. That was a big thing in destigmatizing cannabis, saying, "Hey, the CBD." has, you know, these awesome therapeutic benefits. Mm -hmm. Now it's going more towards uh, CBG and CBGA. Uh, CBG is thought to be the mother cannabinoid. And from that, a lot of therapeutic medicinal benefits can come from the research of CBG. So that was definitely one of the main uh, talks and discussions that I was having with people there because I, I as well do research um, with companies and seeing the effects of CBG in, in treating health, health ailments, different things like that. 
So do you think we're coming away from the, the THC high and more towards uh, therapeutic um, medicine out of the cannabis? Uh, I believe that that push is just more beneficial because like I said, the whole stigma of weed, I mean, I, I struggled with it myself. Coming up, uh, my parents looked at cannabis as dope. It wasn't acceptable. And, you know, it wasn't until that, uh, you know, I had several conversations with them explaining these different benefits. Um, you know, I'm, my grandmother, I'm bringing her different topicals to uh, use instead of using, you know, these perks and different things that they're prescribing uh, for pain management. And she's actually having, you know, good effects from using these. And then, uh, you know, even with managing and opening these re uh, retail locations in the cannabis space, it still was, hey, you know, you're supposed to be a scientist and you're, you're still selling it was minimal, minimalized to still selling dope, but it wasn't until, you know, the money came in and, you know, the, uh, the actual title, laboratory director, and things like that, where they see the true value in it. So I do, I'm, I'm in full support of promoting the medicinal benefits more so than just getting high. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now you're a, you majored in biology, and I'm, I'm thinking of some words of wisdom you would give uh, listeners who perhaps haven't decided what they want to do in, in college, uh, or maybe even, you know, as they're coming out of high school, but they, they like what they hear from you. What is your advice to them in terms of, you know, getting prepared for where you are right now? My advice would be to... lean towards what you're passionate about in that field. I, I knew that I wanted to be a scientist and that I wanted to work in a, in a laboratory. I also have uh, a strong sense of community and wanting to, you know, help people that look and, and live in areas that I've lived in uh, and just educate them and show them that there's other ways that they can contribute or you know, the goal is to make money for a lot of us. You can make money and as well as make a difference and contribute to your, in, in your community as well. So uh, with me, cannabis was that happy marriage. I feel proud of what I'm doing. Um, and it has a science aspect. That's what keeps it interesting. And that's what really has me dedicated and passionate about what I do. So I would just say definitely, you know, find, your, find what you're passionate about. And that definitely comes through, through trial and error. I failed a lot of times uh, in, in my journey making it here. I've had a lot of doors closed on me and I had to uh, really be persistent and uh, innovative even in the way that I'm uh, getting into the industry. So starting with the degree, uh, agree, a degree in biology, um, chemistry is very important. I have a strong background in chemistry as well. That, that That's definitely helped me. Uh, achieve what I, where I am now. Uh, so chemistry or biochem, those microbiology, those are subjects that if you're looking to get into the laboratory testing or even the manufacturing side, those would be good places to uh, 
to put your time in. So on that note, uh, Jeremy, would you be um, open to maybe somebody contacting you and, and asking for advice uh, from listening to this episode? Oh, yeah, certainly. I could be reached at uh, jeremy at labplex.com. Uh, contact me by email, and then we can set up a time to, uh, uh, to meet. And that's jeremy, J-E-R-E. M-E at That's fantastic because I know I can just imagine that a lot of young people listening, you know, are very amazed at, uh, you know, the, the depth and breadth of knowledge that you have. And they say to themselves, you know, I'd like to, to do something similar to, to what Jeremy's doing, but they just don't know how. And in the cannabis space, as, as you probably know, um, there are no real defined pathways. There's, there's pathways for everything else. If you want to be a fireman or a policeman, a nurse, um, or, you know, some radio personality or something, even, even actors and actresses, but not so much for cannabis. So it's, it's really, really encouraging to hear you say that. I appreciate that. So we go ahead. Anything else you want to share with the, the listeners? Uh. Yeah, I mean, there's there there are offering uh, various classes at uh, some of these uh, universities and uh, uh, junior colleges as well. Kind of introductions into the space, learning metric, some of the business behind cannabis. I think that's important to uh, look into as well. Get your feet wet about the entire about the entire industry as well. Fantastic. Well, Jeremy, I want to thank you for being so gracious with your time and sharing it with us. I appreciate it. You, you just have a wealth of knowledge. And um, I, two things. I'm looking forward to uh, visiting your lab um, maybe in the, in the coming months. I'll certainly give you a heads up that I'm headed your way. You're in Long Beach? Yes, that's correct. Long Beach. Yeah, yeah. I'll drive up there and, 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 and uh, see you again and uh, maybe get a, a tour of your lab. Um, and also, I'd like to, you know, hold out a second, um, you know, guest appearance from you, maybe later on uh, a few months to see, you know, what new things have developed in your, your lab. Yeah, certainly. I'm uh, thoroughly excited to, to have you here and uh, show you the lab, give you a tour. And uh, yeah, definitely looking to sit down and speaking with you again. Okay, fantastic. Well, once again, thank you very much. We really appreciate the time that you've spent explaining uh, what you do, how you got to where you are, and, and some of the things that uh, listeners might want to watch out for as they go into uh, a cannabis shop, uh, especially if they go into one that's um, rather shady. Uh, they need to be thinking two times, three times, or four times about going in and especially about purchasing any product from something from a store that's not uh, licensed. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Lehman. If you would like to listen to this particular episode and all of the episodes on Cannabis Enlightened, uh, please go to the, um, the website and look for CannabisEnlightened.com, CannabisEnlightened.com. And if you would like to share a comment, a question about uh, what we're doing, please feel free to email me at drleroy at cannabisenlightened.com. Thank you very much. <laughs>